As Danny said, my, uh, it's been a great privilege to serve. I, uh, I serve on staff with crew at Montana State, uh, have since 2007, uh, and I've got an awesome wife uh, and three beautiful daughters. So you can please pray for me because I'm outnumbered in my home. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll share a little bit more of my story as we dive in here. But uh, yeah, let me pray. And then I, I have an, ex, an experience for us. Father, I am so thankful uh, that you are who you are, that you are a great and an awesome and a powerful God. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? The King of glory. Father, I pray that this morning you would help us see your power. Pray that you'd help us see the power of the gospel. And this morning, God, we want to be attuned to you. Uh, thank you for the way that you've shined light in the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, can we hit the lights? It's going to get dark. Okay, even these ones too, is that okay? That's okay, that's okay. Okay, so maybe, um, maybe shield your eyes from the light, and maybe this is dangerous. Don't fall asleep on me, okay? I want you to think uh, what comes to mind when you think of darkness. There's many different things, many different ways that the Bible speaks of darkness. Night, gloom, hell, isolation, fear, darkness. How much can you see and comprehend in the dark? What about obstacles? Could you imagine trying to walk across this room in the dark? How well can you see others around you in the dark? Now sometimes what's interesting about darkness is it has a false perception of comfort and safety because you don't know what's out there. Right? So maybe it can even be comfortable. We've all been tempted by it. At one point in time, we've all been in it. And we were all once slaves of darkness. And uh, I'd like to maybe have a little bit of interactive time. Feel free to just shout out your answers. What ways have you seen people in this world, maybe your friends, um, Living or walking in darkness? Just shout out some answers for me. Self-harm. What's that? Self-harm. Yeah, self-harm. Yeah. What else? Depression. Depression. Mm. Yeah. What else? Rejecting the truth. Rejecting the truth. Yeah. Isolation. Isolation. Yeah. What was, the, what was the other one? Adultery. Adultery. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Anger. Anger. Secret sins. Secret sins. They're in the darkness, right? Drug addiction. Drug addiction, yeah. If you would have met me my freshman year, 2002, Langford Hall on campus at MSU, 
the person you would have met would, be, would have been a person in utter darkness. Although I didn't know it at the time, I was isolated. I was alone. I was searching for answers. I was searching for hope and joy in all the wrong places. Um, I came here as a pretty good kid with not much of a crazy background, but came here and away from mom and dad, decided to start looking for joy and happiness uh, through alcohol, through chasing girls, uh, helped start a fraternity on our campus. I was addicted to pornography. There was darkness in my life, and it wasn't only in my life, but it was all around me, um, and it was just so prevalent. Okay, you can hit the lights. Oh, that's bright. I was in darkness until a friend uh, named Mark shined some light into my life. I remember I was living in the, in the dorms when my buddy Mark invited me to a crew weekly meeting, which I'd never been to anything like that. Um, I'd never been into a meeting where there were students my age worshiping Jesus Christ before. Um, and that, was a, that marked me. I saw that there was something different about these students. Um, what also, another point of light in my life was my grandma, who was a really awesome woman of God, who I... I, I uh, I grew up around her in the summers because she lived on the East Coast. But my sophomore year in college, uh, she, we, we moved her back to Montana because she was um, terminal with, with lung cancer. And uh, as a partying, hedonistic, selfish college student, I remember um, sitting in the, my living room with my grandma. And she would have me read the Bible to her. Um, she would have me play worship music on the radio for her. And uh, she would say things like, can't wait to see Jesus when I die. And I remember thinking, like, I am so lost. <laughs> I'm sober. I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I, I just felt so small compared to this saintly woman. And it wasn't, uh, it was soon after my grandma's funeral that I think the reality of eternity, the reality of my darkness, and the reality of me seeking for answers and not finding them just all added up. And I remember getting on my knees in my grandma's old house and saying, Jesus, I, I need you. I am so far gone apart, apart from you, and I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. And that's why I love the songs that we were singing just now. I love the power of the gospel, how it can transform a heart out of darkness and bring us into light. Um, now, the reason I want us to enter into that is because I think oftentimes uh, in the Christian world, um, in our pursuit of holiness, in our pursuit of God, I think sometimes we can forget what darkness is like. Maybe sometimes we can forget what, what it's like to be enslaved in darkness. What is it like to be held captive in darkness? And I think, too, we don't necessarily always, maybe fully, appreciate the light until we see how awful the darkness is. I uh, hope it's okay. We're going to flip through some scripture this morning. I'll open up your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John 1.5. We're going to flip through a lot, actually. And I've got, uh, I don't know if there's a particular version you guys use. I use the extra spiritual version, the ESV. Is that okay? Okay. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. In him is no darkness darkness at all. Okay, question for the audience. What does light do? What is light? 
Absence of darkness. What else? Illumination. Illumination. Exposure. Exposure. Yes. What else? What's that? Yeah, it's, a, it's emitting of a photon, right? Yeah, physics major. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, light reveals. And when you think of light, it, it ex- exposes what's really there. It's truth. Uh, it's illumination. It's pure. It's morally excellent. This is God's very character, right? It's brilliant. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, He has delivered us from where? The domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. This is the gospel, that God is light and that he has overcome darkness. And because God is light, those of us who he has called into light are to no longer walk in darkness anymore, but we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And we have fellowship with one another. As we walk in the light, as, I, as we walk into this room full of light, we can see one another, we can know one another, we can have true fellowship as we walk in the light of, of Jesus. Now, I trust um, that you all have experienced this. You all have tasted what it's like to have your heart illuminated by the gospel, by Jesus Christ. Uh, And we celebrate and we worship him because of this. I imagine this is why maybe many of you are here at NBC, is because you've tasted and seen the goodness of him. And you want to know him more. And you want to know, how can I become a minister of the gospel? How can I take this um, to the world around me? The more we walk in the light with Christ, the more we see how loving he is, how merciful and gracious and just and beautiful and holy he is. Now, if that is the God we know and serve and experience, how could we not want to tell other people about this God? How could we not want to take the light to a dark world around us? How could we want to keep that to ourselves? Um, Now, we could talk in a whole sermon series on how to continue walking in the light as he is in the light. This morning, I want to touch um, briefly on what does it mean to actually uh, be proclaimers of the light? What does it look like for us to to let our light shine? Um, The first thing we have to ask, though, is today, how captivated are you with how beautiful our God is? How captivated are you with how beautiful our God is? Are you in awe of the gospel? Because this is what fuels us. This is what fuels us as we go to a dark world, is our own, uh, uh, our own love of Christ, our own love of the gospel. And I think if we forget where we've come from, if we forget the darkness that we were once in, we forget the good news of where Christ has brought us into, I think we, we might lose motivation for sharing the gospel. Now, um, one of the best examples, I think, of sharing the gospel um, is a guy we all know and love. A guy that if I was going to, to Gail's party, uh, I'd want to dress up like this guy, John the Baptist, right? Camel hair, locusts, wild honey. I don't, yeah, that's what I would dress like if I was going to that. But um, go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. Very familiar passage, I know. John chapter 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. I love this about John. Um, He's one of my favorite characters, I think, because of the way that he so humbly and faithfully wants to show off God. I mean, and later on we see that he says, he must increase, I must decrease, that he might increase, right? He, John's whole uh, main prerogative in life is to make much of Jesus, to prepare the way for him. I love that. This is a guy who is in love with God and wants the world to see how great he is. Go ahead and turn to the left in Luke chapter 1. Um, I love this uh, about, this is prophecy about John. This is, um, this is going to be prophecy from his father, Zechariah. Um, if you guys remember the story in Luke chapter, we're going to be in verse 76. Um, in Luke chapter 1, uh, Zechariah is visited by the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel says, you know, your barren wife Elizabeth, she's going to have this awesome baby boy. And Zechariah doesn't believe him and says, okay, you won't be able to talk until he's born. So Zechariah's mouth is closed up until John is born. And then when he's born... The first thing he says is this prophecy. In verse 67, it says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied many things. But go ahead and turn down to verse 76. This is what he's saying about his own newborn child. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Did you catch that? To give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of sins. The sunrise shall visit us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. That is good news to a people who are hurting, to people who are in darkness. He's here to prepare the way for the light to come. Now, I don't think that John is the only guy um, who is meant to bear witness about the light. I believe as followers of Jesus Christ, it makes sense as his disciples, as his followers, that we too would be people who would bear witness about the light. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Sorry, we're flipping around a lot here today. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It makes sense that if we've been called out of darkness and been brought into his marvelous light, that we would proclaim his excellencies to the world around us. So what does it mean to proclaim the excellencies 
of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, or to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. I think it's that we would be a people who proclaim the gospel to a lost and broken world all around us. Uh, in our last passage we're going to stick in here is in Luke chapter 15. Because I, I think that our best example of what does it look like to bring light to the darkness is Jesus himself, which, uh, I mean, that's the classic answer for everything, right? Jesus, he's the answer, right? Um, we're going to just take a look at these two parables. This is one of my favorite chapters um, in Luke. Luke chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Just make some simple observations. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Sinners and tax collectors were drawing near to Jesus. Uh, something, there was something attractive about him to these people who were morally bankrupt, morally corrupt. Um, and Jesus was somehow seen in this, like, he was scandalous in how he was going. I mean, the re religious folks, we see the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling. This guy is eating with them. He's hanging out with them, right? He's making himself ceremonially unclean by hanging out with these people, right? But we notice that, uh, so Jesus responds to the grumbling with these parables. And he also responds with the parable of the, the prodigal son, right, and the, the two brothers, um, but in this first one, he talks about the sheep, finding a lost sheep. Well, what do we notice about this, this parable is we see that, um, well, both in both parables, he mentions sheep and coins. And in this community, in this, uh, in this environment, these would be valuable commodities, right? And he's saying one of the things I love about this is uh, if he has lost one sheep, he doesn't wait. It doesn't say, the text doesn't say, uh, when the sheep started going to church, uh, then he went after him. It doesn't say when the sheep got his act together, then he went after him. It doesn't say when he went to Bible college, he went after him. It's while the sheep was lost, the shepherd went after him and searching for him, right? Um, he doesn't wait for the sheep to start reading its Bible uh, to getting its act together, but the shepherd goes after the sheep while it is lost. I love that picture of our God. We see that the woman, when she's going uh, after her coin, um, she light, turns on the light and seeks diligently for this lost coin. So does the shepherd. They seek diligently for these things that were lost. So we notice a couple things, I think, in these parables. One, lost people are valuable in Jesus' eyes. They're very valuable. 
and he diligently seeks after them, not when they get their act together, not when they clean themselves up, but while they are still lost. Jesus goes after them. And I love that the win in this story is not necessarily the gathering of the 99, but there is much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And I love how this is even a communal thing, right? It's like when the shepherd finds his lost sheep, he gathers his friends and his neighbors, say, rejoice with me, the sheep who was lost is found. The woman does the same thing with her coin. She gathers her friends and neighbors, says, rejoice with me, for the, the coin that I had lost is found. And we also see that there is a communal joy in heaven when a sinner repents, that there are angels and God himself who are rejoicing over sinners who repent. I love this about God and his heart. Now, I know that uh, you guys are good Bible students. You're here at Bible College. Um, but I think on a real personal application, uh, I'd like us to just ask some of these questions to ourselves, honestly. They're on your handout there. Um, and I, you don't have to answer these out louder, but maybe this could be even something, something personal that you could do in your time with God. Just ask these questions to see where we're at, to take a pulse on, on where we're at with this. Do I have a longing for the lost to be found? Am I scouring for lost people? Do I value lost people the way Jesus values them? Do I celebrate the lost being found? Are we lighting lamps to search for the lost, or are we okay that there are lost people separated from the light all around us? Uh, now, I remember when I became a Christian uh, my junior year in college, um, you know, I was, like I said, I was in a fraternity, and I actually wanted to get out of that environment because it was the environment where I did a lot of my partying and a lot of the darkness that I was living in. But I remember there was a, there was a staff guy uh, with crew that said, actually, why don't you, instead of t turning from those guys, why don't you actually talk to them about what Christ has done in your life? Why don't you actually share what Christ has done for you? And very... Nerve, nervously and in much trembling and fear, um, started praying for my fraternity brother, started sharing with them, you know, this is what Jesus has done for me, and he can do the same for you. Um, and I remember uh, being so thankful that uh, my friend Bob didn't let me stay in a place where I would be comfortable. He didn't let me stay in a place where um, life was just about me and my little world, but he opened up my eyes to see how I could actually be a proclaimer of the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness and into his light. I'm so glad that uh, he, he encouraged me to stay into a place where I could see my friend Mike, who was an alcoholic, um, who came to one of our weekly meetings and in tears said, I am so far from God. Will you pray for me? Uh, Mike is now actually serving in a youth, uh, youth, as a youth, guy, youth ministry guy in Kent, Washington. Um, I'm just so thankful to get, that God didn't let me just sit. I would have missed out on getting to see God transform a heart if I, I would have sit back and not continue to press in and, and bear witness about what God had done in my life. And if you would have told me that God would send me to the Middle East, to East Asia, to San Diego, Lake Tahoe, to, to share the gospel with people, if you would have told me that my freshman year, I would have told you you're crazy. But I think God has had a much bigger plan for me than I could have ever imagined. I believe he has the same for you, a much bigger, grander adventure uh, on, call on your life than maybe what you could ever dream of or imagine. And you might not see this here on campus at MBC, at the Bible College, um, but I know for me, when I'm stepping foot on campus at MSU, um, there are many lost sheep and lost coins all around, all around, who are extremely 
valuable to God, so much so that he gave up his most precious, valuable, only begotten son to die for them, just like he did for us. And we want to be a people who believe God to bring the sunrise upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness, and to, people, to be a people who know our God and who show our God. We want to be proclaimers of his excellencies. And we want to, to share the gospel in, uh, in boldness and in power on our campus uh, with full expectancy and, our, and hope that our God can and will save the lost because this is what he came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. He doesn't want people to stay in darkness. He is calling and beckoning them to life and life to the full. Now, my friends, I, I pray and hope for us that we could say along with the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and the Greek also. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. I don't think we're called to be just hidden. I don't think we're called to just be uh, cowards or in fear, but I think that when we see the power of the gospel, it's the power of God for salvation. It gives us much hope. There are lost people in our world all around us who are ready to hear the good news of Christ. And my hope and my prayer, I think, for this group is that each and every single one of you would get to bear witness about Christ and that maybe you would get to see someone cross that line of faith from being in darkness to being in light. And I, I believe that God could use you to share the gospel in power and that lost people could be found. To get to see a life transformed by Christ right in front of your eyes, that's one of the greatest privileges of being a minister of the gospel. Uh, in Matthew 9, when Jesus saw the masses, he didn't look on them with condemnation. But what does it say? He had compassion because he saw the people were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he told the disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest for more laborers of the harvest, for the laborers, sorry, the Lord of the harvest, for the harvest was plentiful, but the workers were few. Now I pray that here at Montana Bible College, that this prayer would be answered, that there would be laborers who are raised up, who are ready to go out to the harvest field because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few, that God could send you as beacons of light, as bearers of the light, to go into the dark world to bring the light of Christ. That's my prayer for us. Let me pray. Jesus, we worship you. You are light. God, we praise you that you didn't leave us in darkness, but you overcame the darkness. We praise you that you are a God who saves, that you are a God who is merciful and gracious. We praise you for the gospel. We praise you for the cross, because we know that you went to great lengths to save lost people. Father, I pray for myself and my friends here. I pray that you would embolden us in the power of the Holy Spirit to share you well with the lost world around us, that we wouldn't hide our light under a bushel, but we would set it up on a stand to shine before men and women. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us, that you would use us to advance your kingdom. You'd use us to proclaim the gospel well. It's in Jesus' name we pray.